Welcome to Legacy Therapy, the podcast that will teach you, in bite-sized chunks, how to leave a stress-free legacy so loved ones can focus on people, not paperwork, when you become ill or pass away. Here is your host and financial advocate, Stacy golden Lisnock. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Legacy Therapy, Planning Techniques for a Stress-Free Legacy. This is Stacy golden Lisnock, your financial advocate, here with you again, and I have a special guest. I have Connie Whitman with me today, and I want to tell you just a little bit about Connie. We've been friends for a little bit, and I am so impressed with all of what she knows because she came from a banking background, which I think... She was with high net worth people. And so she's agreed to kind of tell us some stories of how the the wealthy handle their money and handle their business. And, um, you know, I'm going to let you just give us a little bit of background of where you came from and where you are today, because I know you've changed careers. You're no longer in the banking industry, but you have many, many years of um, working history of working in the banking industry, which I find very fascinating myself. And you yeah. are in the East Coast. So yes. it's a whole nother East world Coast. from where I live. I live here in Southern California, though I'm married to an Easterner. So <laughs> my family's originally from Toronto. So I feel like, uh, okay, I can, I can, I can have my little toe in there. Yes. Um, but, but please tell us a little bit about your background where you came from. And then, you know, just some, some really good stories that we can learn from, because that's yeah. the whole idea here is we want to learn how to leave a stress-free legacy so that our families won't have to suffer uh, when this transition comes and everybody does have a time, then it's going to be your turn. We want to be ready. Yeah. At some point, right. That's inevitable. So it's just interesting. You know, my background is, um, I went, when I went to Rutgers university and when I graduated, I graduated with a business degree, um, in economics and I went and I got a job at a credit company and, and, you know, did my thing there. And, um, I was really good at sales, you knew. And when I went to ask for a sales promotion or position, they told me no, because I was a female. So I left that company. But guys, this is back in the 80s. So, yeah. you know, I think I, I, I hope times have changed. But I went and I got my licenses like you, Stacy. So I had my health and my life and my property casualty insurance. And I also had my series seven. Wow. So I went and I worked first for an insurance company and did investments in, in, in insurance. And I loved, for me, it was more about educating. So that's why I love what you do, because I, I really think people don't know how to handle money, but even worse, how to handle the legacy that they're potentially leaving behind, especially if you have children or assets. Um, it, it could become really, really, really messy uh, quickly. So I did the insurance and I loved sitting across literally the kitchen table yeah. from clients and going through not only protecting their assets, the home, but protecting for children, as well as because my background was finance, I put people on budgets, believe it or not. And I helped them save money so that they could afford the life insurance and not have a default and throw money away, right? It right. becomes this whole vicious cycle. So for me, it was always about educating. And, and just as a side note, that's why I was good in sales because sales for me is education, right? right. So you're kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. You're educating your people. So then I did that for a few years and I didn't love the insurance industry, but I loved the one-on-one -on -one connection and the one-on-one -on -one educating. So I got a job at a bank 
who now this is early 90s, everybody, they started offering the alternative investment. So they needed people with licensing to be able to do the annuities and all of those things. So I did, I got a job with a bank and then I had kids and uh, wealth management was hiring and they allowed me, this is how progressive the the bank I was working for was, they allowed me to do a reduced work week, work three days a week so I could be home with my kids. And I stepped from the investment, you know, one-on-one to the wealth management, which were dealing with those multi-million dollar uh, states and and stuff like that. So you could see my background. I I have a huge background all in that financial world. Early on in my career, I also went for my MBA in the evening and finance. So I'm just a numbers person. It's always about how can I help people create those estates and money and all those things. That's amazing. I thought I was, I thought I was that that person that, <laughs> but you've topped everything that I've done. So this uh, is great. I think we're I think we're synergistic and, and yeah, kind of no, have our paths. No, yeah. I think that's excellent. But I mean, as far as like just helping people like you get yourself educated so that you can pass on that knowledge to people that didn't, you know, didn't have the interest in it or the ability or the, or the opportunity a lot of times to get that education. And that's what you're doing though, Stace. I just, I want everybody really to understand this, right? So now 20 years ago, um, it was going through merger mania in the banks and I'm a control freak and I had two babies at home. And I remember saying to my husband, I don't want to work for this new company coming in. What do you want to do? I'm like, I want to get fired and I want to open my own business. I want to have control and I want to be able to teach people with integrity, heart-centered, right? Business owners and or corporate leaders. I need them to understand that when you're talking about financial stuff with your with your customers, you have to teach them. And you, it's funny because you know I went for my MBA in the evening and meeting people with the insurance. I, I was almost done with my MBA by the time I was doing the insurance. Sitting with people who didn't know anything about budgets or money really broke my heart. And here I felt how privileged am I that not only I paid for my education. I mean, nobody gave it to me. Right. And I put the effort out, how privileged that I had this opportunity. How do you not pay it forward and help these people create their own legacy? So it it almost becomes a level of responsibility. And you're doing that now with your classes and how you're being an advocate for people. It's the same premise, right? It's, it's, it's a privilege to be able to lead people people to have these successful legacies that they're leaving behind. It's, yeah. it's a real, it's a nice privilege. It is. And, and the, and the, and the, the payback for that is when you do get the rewards of people appreciating Ugh. the ability to work in this structured guided environment, yes. because otherwise it would never have gotten done no. for them because they, they know themselves. Like they didn't get yeah. it done before they met me. They're, if they didn't meet me, it wouldn't be done because they wouldn't have a vehicle to do it. And that's really all it is, is really, it's a, it's a track to run on. And that's all people need generally is a track to run on. Yeah. Simplified. You've simplified the process, Mm -hmm. logical piece by piece by piece, because to say to someone, get your affairs in order, where do you even begin? That's like, there's so many moving parts. So that that arc of how you've organized it, I, I think is brilliant. It's a yeah. it's a needed resource out there, uh, Stace. I'm yeah, I'm excited that you and I we got connected because I do think it's important. Yeah, I I I love the opportunity of taking it to all different uh, you know niches and, yeah. and industries and everything else. And so hopefully we can we can work together on that on some level. But love it. Yeah. So tell me some some interesting uh, wealth 
stories of, um, you know, I, I like to hear some good stories too, but I mean, I know a lot of times the good stories we don't hear about the, the ones that are like Prince and, and all these different, um, people that you would think would have all these attorneys, like making sure that all the, you know, the, the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed, but then we come to find out a big majority of them just are, they die and they don't even have a will. Like, how does this happen? Yeah. And, and it's so funny. I remember I was teaching a class at one of my corporate clients when Prince had passed away. And so it was all, you know, everybody was talking about it. And then I remember it was maybe two or three years later. And in the news, I had heard that the estate still wasn't settled because he had done none, no financial planning. And I was teaching and I, I was teaching at a bank, but I was teaching them the sales skills. And I said, I just want to pause for a minute. You work at a bank, right? You're, and they had a wealth management division. So they had resources to help their clients get in front of the right attorneys, right? Trust in the state attorneys. Right. And I said, I want to pause and I want to share a story, right? And we talked about Prince and I said, do you realize it's two or three years past his, his death and his heirs have not seen any money? The government got, I think it was like $300 million right off the top. And the attorneys have made their money trying to help the beneficiaries settle through the estate. And I says, now here's, here's the sad situation, right? Prince had a team of attorneys copywriting all of his songs and stuff. Yeah. You can't tell me that he didn't have some of the best attorneys and they didn't have someone in their firm that could have helped him with trust and estate planning. I said, because no one... Prince didn't know to ask the question and nobody thought because they were patent attorneys, right? Probably not their expertise. Nobody thought to mention it. And so the people around the table and anytime I teach, you know, since then, especially in the financial sector, your responsibility when you have these resources, you have to bring the subject up to your clients because they don't know what they don't know. You're working for a bank with a division who can support and get them in front of the right kind of attorneys. It's your, again, see, for me, it's about responsibility. You're privileged to have this job and to be a trusted advisor for your clients. How do you leave a piece of the puzzle on the table? So that's, see, that sales though. And they go, well, we're embarrassed. You're embarrassed. How could you be embarrassed when it's your responsibility that these people don't know what they don't know? You're not asking them for the business so you can make money. You're asking for the business to serve them. So again, it's right, Stace, it's perspective. It's all about perspective. Well, it is. And I think people in general, and I'm not even talking about like the wealthiest of the people. No. The general people will not seek professional advice because they don't want to be sold something. And they don't understand that how, how short-sighted that is. Yes. They're not being sold something. The person that they're, that they're going to, you know, go to somebody that's recommended by somebody, you know, don't yeah. just go out of the yellow pages, whatever, but right. you go to somebody that is a specialist in something that is going to improve on, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to do. If you have Financial an illness, stability. you yeah. know, you have an illness, you're, you're not going to not go to the doctor because you think they're trying to try to sell you some medicine or something, That's right. right? You're going to go because of their expertise in the, in the illness that you have and hoping to better your situation. So when you're talking about all of your life's work, you know, whether it be assets or trademarks or, or, or art or whatever it is, like yeah. it could be things that are, that are just uh, physical, but very valuable. If you don't do the right thing by those, they could end up in the garbage or in Goodwill or in a garage sale or, or whatever, because nobody knows the value and they That's are right. not interested. Your kids aren't interested in the stuff that you think is important because nope. my mom collected Hummel, Hummel figurines and Rockwell plates and China set. 
Do any of us want that? No, my kids don't want my stuff, you know? So it's, it's all going to end up in the garbage unless you take the time to actually make sure that the value and, and they, and sometimes it's even just, maybe it was your grandmother's locket or something, you know, no one's going to know that unless you make it known. And I say, if you want to give things to your kids and you know that they're earmarked for those kids and they're old enough, give them to them while you're alive. So you can enjoy yeah. the fact See, that and, yeah. they got them and you know that they were, that they're going to appreciate it and know that yeah. you wanted them to have it. You just said something so interesting. My nephew just got married, um, you know, they're the late twenties and we, it became a big joke because at Christmas, you know, if it was a small enough gathering, my sister would bring out her China. And this was before he was married. You know, this China, you have a China cabinet. We never use the dining room. It's so ridiculous. Now you bring out the China for once a year. What's the point? We can use paper plates, right? And we were like, what? Like we were appalled saying, oh, but we got our crystal. And he goes, um, when I get married, I don't want any of this. And when you die, I don't want any of this. It's all nonsense, right? So it, it, my husband and I came home because my mother-in-law is still alive. My mom and dad are still alive. And they both have these huge China sets, like seating for 28 people, 32 people. I mean, because we had Italian, we have a big family. Yes. My mother-in-law has her mother's China plus the three China sets that she's had. And I said, they're Royal Dalton. I mean, they're all really high-end stuff. I go, what are we going to do it? Like, we're going to have to take this to a, not a pawn shop, but what do you call them? Um, like an auction uh, house. Yeah, an yeah. auction house. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody is collecting these, but they're not in our family. So yeah. just have that conversation. The other thing I wanted to share, we were talking about Prince. One of my clients, again, had a wealth management division. And you just giggle at things people say. So there was a peer of, of mine. She was in class and her mother-in-law had just passed. Well, actually it was before her mother-in-law passed. So she came through my class and I always talk about wealth management, wills and all those things as an aside, just to help them understand how can I articulate this to a customer that the customer will receive your message that it's coming from a place of love and not, hey, did you know we got another thing that we can offer you, right? So come from this place of love. Yeah. So she learned about the wealth management and she said to me after class, she goes, do you have a minute? I'm like, sure. She says, you know, I think my mother-in-law has a sizable estate. I'm like, well, have you talked to her? She goes, well, I can't because, you know, I'm the outlaw. So they're the husband and the brother. I says, well, maybe they could gently approach the mom and see what estate, you know, what asset she has and say, we want to make sure that you're taken care of, you know, in, in later in life. And the mother-in-law was starting to slip. Apparently, the husband and the brother go and sit and talk to the mother. And the mother responded with, she was pretty old by this point well into her 90s. She goes, I'm not telling you what I have. You're going to steal it from me. So again, she clearly, she was already in diminished capacity. Fast forward, I see the same woman because with this one client, there's several classes they have to come through. So maybe about six months, maybe maybe nine months later, sure enough, the mother-in-law had passed. She did have a very large estate. She had done no estate planning. Half of the money was maybe maybe $2 million was taken and given to the government right off the top. So she's sharing this in class. And she says to me, anybody who sits at my desk that has any type of wealth, I tell them, you're not moving until you hear my story. Again, coming from this place of love and experience, right? And, and, and of course, she was getting a lot of referrals to wealth management. Well, a young lady in the class who was a little more timid with sales says to her, you know, there's a fee for that. Well, my peer, the woman who had just gone through this losing $2 million, not 
not that they wanted the money, but this woman scrimped and saved and $2 million went to the government in a yeah. blink, right? Yeah. I'm sure that's what she wanted to happen with that, not to go to her grandkids, right? right, right. So the woman, I thought her head was going to explode and she looked at the young lady. And I think at this company, it was like a 1% or a one and a quarter percent fee on the assets. She goes, it would have cost us. And I want to say it was like 50 grand in fees, right? Or whatever it was, maybe a hundred grand in fees. She goes, a hundred grand, 2 million. Like, I don't care if it was a million dollars, it would have been worth it to come out with a million. But we're talking really, it was under a hundred thousand dollars in fees. So again, we get caught up if you're in that business to say, well, there's a fee, but that fee becomes nominal when you look at the back end and it's see, but again, lack of education, lack of understanding. What am I losing if I don't do this? Not what am I gaining if I do? But it doesn't, it doesn't translate like that, which is really the sad part about it. So you can, you can yell and scream and, and, you know, nobody hears you. No, but they'll tell you the sad story at the end, at the end. And it's like, oh, poor me. Look at how much money they took from me. This isn't fair. The attorneys are charging this much. It's taking this long in probate. Um, You know, an average probate is $34,000 and takes at least two years. And that's if it's not contested. Yeah. So who has two years of their time dealing with attorneys, dealing with court dates, taking time off work, having to travel if you don't live near the person and all that. And, and all of the relationships that get shattered and destroyed in the, in the, you know, in the, in the, the process of everything. Plus it's all public knowledge when you go to probate. And so all the scammers are out. They can go and find out what was in the estate, who it's yeah. assigned to. So then they can start, um, you know, attacking or targeting the people that are going to be inheriting this money and figuring out ways to get it from you. So, so I'm just sad. saying you, you would never want that money, the $34,000 that you're paying to probate. You would never purposefully do that you would never want your inheritance to go to that and your parents were not their hard-earned money to go to that but yet that's what people are choosing to do when they refuse to do something else and it's because they don't want to um, believe it they don't want to um it's a tough subject stays people it is you want to talk about death and and it's funny when i do my classes and i do i go around if if the company has a wealth management if the bank has a wealth management division i always Mm -hmm. go around who here has a will and nobody raises their hands and i say shame on you you have a division that you could reach out and say listen i'm not a wealth management client but i need an attorney to at least draw up a will a power of attorney for my spouse and i i want to set up guardianship for my kids they'll give you an attorney that's reputable that they've worked with your division has worked with and it's somebody in your backyard what and and here's the scariest thing stace right just forget about the will the the power of attorney all those things it's a nominal cost you're, you're not talking at least in the united states it's not a ton of money. It's not like, oh, $10,000. It's probably all in maybe 1500 to two grand. Well, and that's a a lot of money, you know, and that's like, so in, in California anyways, you know, a will, a will is a, is a ticket to probate and a probate is a very expensive and time consuming thing. Most people need to get a trust and, and they don't want to spend the money. You can get a trust for, you know, a thousand, 1500 on the cheap end. You could pay 10 grand on the far end. I mean, it just depends well, on who the, you go Depending to. on the complexity of the estate. And the complexity, but also sometimes you're, you're paying a lot for who you're going to and the kind of overhead they have and all that kind right, of stuff. Right. But the fact of the matter is, is like people who think that I have my will, I'm good. 
they don't understand what their will is going to do. And most of the people have an outdated will. So the information in it isn't even accurate anymore anyway. The people that they're giving things to might have already predeceased them. Yeah. And and what they have in there isn't isn't what they would say today. And they don't even bother looking at it again. Yeah. Did you know there's a huge percentage of wills that when they do have a will, it they get it gets found by whomever and it either gets changed or destroyed because they don't like what it says. I just learned yeah. this. So I just learned crazy? this. Well, especially the day of everything was in hard copy, right? It wasn't in yeah. digital. Right. I, can, can I share a funny story? It's not funny. It's it's this is the truth, right? Mm-hmm. So I, of course, I have a will. I have a trust. There, listen to me. I'm not wealthy that I have a trust with money in it. It's an insurance trust. So here was the deal when my husband and I got married, and make you laugh. My husband's five years younger than me. We had the babies, and I said to him, you know, something, and and by the way, we had about $2 million on each of us. Again, not because we have a lavish life, but I had two kids. I wanted them to be able, if they wanted to go for their PhD, I wanted them to have the means to be able to do whatever education they wanted. They were babies. I didn't, I didn't know who they were going to be. Right. Additionally, my sister had three kids. So now you have two more kids. You need to put an extension on. I wanted the money to be there. So my kids were not a burden for my, my sister and my brother-in-law. So we each had $2 million. So I said to my husband, you know, dude, something happens to me. You're five years younger than me. You think you're going to take my two mil and hook up with some little chickadee and go on a Bahamas <laughs> vacation. Not happening. That money's for my kids, right? So we giggled about it. And when we met with the attorney, I'm like, I'm concerned about this. Not that my husband was a gigolo or anything. Yeah. And he giggled and he said, you could set up an insurance trust. So what happens is instead of the money going to your husband or your husband to come to you, it goes and it sits in a trust and you could set up the trust with living expenses so that your husband or you, right? If my, if my husband passed, the money would go into a trust for me and the kids, right. but whatever the, the living expenses were, my kids played hockey to pay for tuition for hockey college, all those things. And, and he says, and I would not, whoever the guardian is, you do not want to make the owner of the trust because that's another whole sticky wicket, right? The people have the money, they spend the money, they don't take care of the kids. So we giggled and we talked to my sister and she's like, of course, of course. I said, and my brother, who's very good with money, I made him the financier. So I thought if anything happens, that two mils going in, you better divvy up that money and be prudent, right? So we, it was a joke with my husband and I, yeah. but my brother said, yeah, I understand. And I said to the attorney, this makes so much sense. Now, yeah. So fast forward, this is the fun, this is really the funny part. Yeah. As we were going through, I say to the attorney, you know, I have two boys. What if they end up being really stupid boys, right? They're not, they're brilliant young men, by the way. But I said, I don't want them at 21. If my husband and I die and there's a $4 million estate and they're like, party, I don't want them getting $4 million. So he said, he was a very good attorney. He was a friend actually. And he said, we can divvy it up. So any money for college, if your sister needed money for the the house renovations, all that, all of that would be available. But then when the kids become of age of majority, they could take out whatever percentage is left. And then you could stagger that. He said, and then you could have the last stipend come out at whatever age you want. I go 45. (laughs) He said, your kids, I go, I'm going to own them from the grave because here's my feeling. Sometimes even in your 20s and 30s, we, we don't know really the value of money, right? We do stupid little things with it. I said, by 45, they should have been settled down. 
And if they are established, maybe they want to open um, a business, maybe they want to buy a vacation home, maybe they want to use that for their kids' education, but at least I feel like I'm leaving a legacy. Yeah. So we laughed about it, but that's true. And the and my life insurance is still in place and the trust is still in place. Yeah. Not yeah, you know, now my kids are bigger, but I go, you're not pay, you're not getting the payout till you're 45. So yeah. don't even think oh about gosh. it. But now, but now here, this is an I'm being, I'm teasing, but it's the truth. The thing is, though, now that my kids are older, they understand why I did that. And it's 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 your voice. And this is the trust, the will, what Stacey and I are talking about. It's your voice from the grave. And it's an it's honoring what you want. But you really should talk to your family about what you've created so that they understand why you did things. And I talked about my right now I talked to my kids as why we have it set up that way. And they were like, Mom, that's really smart. So, again, it gives them a chance to make silly mistakes, but they have a safety net down the road as well. So and I tease, I go, that is never getting funded until the insurance actually runs out until I'm too old for the insurance. So that 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 trust is never going to get funded. Yeah, you know, this this kind of stuff that um, in the program people bring up and talk about, and it actually is very beneficial to everybody to learn different, you know, different scenarios, different situations of how people's lives, you know, turn out, how things go and how they set things up and things that are important. Like somebody else might listen to this and go, that's a really good idea. I never thought of that. And then they can take that idea and, and move on it because on their own, they're not going to think of it. So it's been great. I, I just like the time just flies. I'm not I sure know. where it all goes, but I hope, I hope it was helpful information for everybody. Yeah. The couple of stories I had. So yeah, thank you for I having think, me. Yeah, that was great. No, I just love having these conversations or just like, you know, sitting around the table, having these conversations people don't like to have. Yeah. Gotta <laughs> happen. It has to happen. Um, yeah. Better there than, than at the grave site. Right. Yeah. So um, well, we want to thank you, Connie, for, for coming on. And I also go ahead and plug your, your business and what you do real quick and how they could get a hold of you. Yeah. So um, been a bit, been, I, I teach sales. So if you're a business owner, you're a corporate person and executive, and you have a team that part of their responsibility, all of their responsibility is sales. I'm heart centered and you have to solve from a place of love. Like my stories um, showed. And if I'm the right fit and you need help with your sales campaigns or your sales strategies, please reach out to me. My website is whitmanassos.com. It's W-H-I-T-M-A-N-A-S-S-O-C.com. Or you can email me at Connie at whitmanassos.com. And Stacey, she'll put those in the, in the, um, yep. yeah. Show, yeah. <clears throat> definitely in show notes. Yeah. Really appreciate you coming on. My um, pleasure. So, and I always end my show by telling people, you know what, be sure and go back to the website, take a look at www.gotittogethernow.com and you'll see the seven module course, the emergency info file there. Everybody should be doing this um, sooner rather than later. We just never know when the time is going to be here for us and then it's going to be a little too late. So um, on that, I'd like to uh, sign off. This is Stacy Golden Listnock. Make sure you take good care of yourself, and we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Therapy Podcast. If we hit it out of the park today, and you learned at least one new thing to take action on in your own quest to planning the best legacy possible, then be sure to tell your friends. Subscribe and rate and review wherever you get your podcast. The show notes will provide the sites and information that were discussed today. 
You can get more great tips, resources, and inspiration by visiting our website, LegacyTherapyPodcast.com.